you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Loves the Counting Crows. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Yes, filled. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Two things there. And I'll, even though, Greg, welcome back from vacation. Great to be back. I'll speak on behalf of Greg real quickly. Not a fan of the County Not Crows. Not a fa- fan of the County Crows. Uh, Wes, Give not necessarily a fan of uh, County Crows either. I, th- I do like the County Crows. Okay. But I take it back. it's sort of like best left in its era. Yes, I'm, I understand where you're coming from. What I was really waiting for, Mark, was kind of like a ellipses of sorts and then money to drop a, some type of hammer. But he does not editorialize with those uh, openings. I mean, we know that Matt Money Smith is not a Counting Crows fan uh, on any level either. But I, at this, this show, within this show, you and I have been to multiple live <laughs> Counting Crows concerts. I don't think you could drag Greg or Wes to a Counting Crows concert. Well, Wes won't go to any concert. We know that. This is so true. you're starting right there. They were like one of those bands that like my brother's friends really liked at the time too. Not that they were too – and it's just like – no, that's your stuff, buddy. It's another that's like weird. sign, that's I think, weird. of uh, that we've been doing this show perhaps too long. Is that I feel like we've had this exact no, no. conversation right down <laughs> to Greg Absolutely. talking about Probably. his brother, his friends. Uh, yes, we're all back together for the first time. In probably what almost a month, four weeks or so. You know, it's been quite a bit. Greg, you were uh, back east. How was your vacation? People fa- want to know. It was fantastic. Yeah, Massachusetts, and then very nice back here. It's pretty low key. Um, and this is our final week of two shows in the week. So fans, you diehards out there who we appreciate, will be happy to know that we'll be going back to three shows next week as training camps uh, kick off. And well, I'll just hint, perhaps more in 2018. That's all I'll say right now. Can't say anything else, Greg. A lot, of, a lot of plans been cooking up while I was a lot gone going that on. I've heard about. So, you know, something to look forward to. And and I think that's, that's a wrap on vacations, by the way. So we're all back. We're all back. Oh, three in. shows from now Locked until in. the end of time. In fact, I was going to say, Mark, there was a, kind of a running uh, gag, uh, but it was also very true. Uh, last season or four months ago where you're saying, oh, the season doesn't really end at the end of the football season. There's our season continues. Is today or maybe Monday, a week from today, the start of the new season? I think it's I think it's next week, but it's all for us because we're all back and we're all locked in now for months and months and months and many more months. <laughs> I think today feels like our unofficial. I think it's next week. I think <laughs> it's next week. It's like a 28-week 28, 28 season starting next week. Keep uh, grinding, Sessler. Uh, so the grind is on. It's grind 30. Let's roll. I'm ready to grind. Um, yes, this is, yeah, and we can't really get into it right now, but this is going to be, uh, maybe the biggest season ever for the around the NFL podcast. I say that with Mm. great excitement, excitement. We're excited to share everything that's coming up, but not yet for now though. Um, we are going to dig into what's happening in the NFL, uh, a decent amount of stuff to talk about considering where we are in the calendar. Whenever there's a golf pro-am of any kind, 
uh, and especially the Lake Tahoe one, guys are going to be chirping. So we're going to have some uh, some some things coming out of there, including a big win for Tony Romo. Whoa, Romo is pretty good at golf. That's all I got on golf. He has a pretty nice uh, overall life right now. Yeah, things are going nice for Tony. Uh, ben McAdoo speaks. A, a prominent former rushing champion retires. Uh, and then uh, we will talk some running backs because Greg hits the ground running up on the NFL.com with a piece uh, breaking down all the projected starting running backs where he puts them uh, in order from 1 to 32. So we're going to talk about that and just running backs in general. And um, one last note before we throw it to Lindsay in the news. Uh, the Kissing Cousins, Sessler, Wessling, the old Zeuser, and the Paramore, who now gets a name. She's engaged to be married. Keisha. Keisha. Uh, we watched the World Cup final. Uh, not a very good match, if you will, but it was nice seeing you guys. And everyone's always like, oh, man, the World Cup. It was so fun. Let's watch more soccer. Me? No. Good. See you in four years. That was perfect. It was very odd. I mean, we've we've been out together in many places and at many different times, but I I was struggling a little bit at roughly 6.45 a.m. leaving my house to walk to a bar where you knew that we were going to be asked to be ordering beverages at around 7.05 a.m. Asked. <laughs> I mean, you can't just go in there and do nothing. So it was just an... I, people, people just come in by pleading with you. Please, Mark. I'm not saying Keep that we drinking. weren't easily convinced. It's just, it, uh, you know, by 10 a.m., I think the, the mind was on fire. So. Now that the catch rule has been fixed, my next crusade is to fix the handball rule mm, in right. soccer that you just basically give somebody a goal for a glance off the hand. And it's so hard to score in soccer. And then you say, oh, here, shoot from 10 feet in front of the goal and just take a freebie. Wes's uh, animosity for, to certain people on social media when they get on his bad side is legendary. It was fun to actually be there in real time where we were all having a good time drinking beers. And then about, I would say for about eight minutes uh, of the match, Wes was just checked out and you just saw him holding his phone just like block, destroying people, block, blocking people. Block. It was a silent fury is how well, I Well, like it. fans of any sport, you get to a point where you just assume that the rules are there for a good reason and you don't question the rules. So you just go along with what the people in charge tell you and that's what's happening in soccer. Mm. Mm, that's fair. Wes it, is the man to change it. Yeah, I mean, why, it, why not push the kickback 10 yards, say, and the percentage of convergence fails to a reasonable amount? Get ready for endless mentions. Dan, Dan endless blocks. went on some, some soccer rant or two about the the British song, and I noticed I got pulled into some uh, mentions. Endless, endless stuff about this, and uh, I don't need I it. I say it life. with peace and love because you know that we love our English listeners. I don't care. I don't care about the it's coming home thing. Like, I, I referenced that it was something that I felt like was bad juju for the team, but I don't really care about the history of it or anything <laughs> else. In fact, soccer is going in the top dresser drawer, and it's going away for four years. So that's good. It's this and this. <laughs> hey, we might start in a field that works. Rosenthal. I Fine with those, the worse that they are, the better they are. Yeah. Was that Gaelic? That sounded Scottish, I think. Uh -huh. Anyway, uh, let's start. Since this is kind of our running back show today, let's start with the big running back news. That, of course, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and star halfback Le'Veon Bell unable to come to terms on a long-term extension by today, Monday's 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. That, according to Rap Sheet, uh, Bell will play on a $14.5 million franchise tag. And this is important for Steelers fans and anybody else tracking football. Uh, the final sentence from Rappaport in his tweet likely won't show up for a while. So there you go. Of course, Bell, uh, Greg, came very close to a deal with the Steelers last year. Didn't get done. Franchise tag. So the most important thing here is playing on the one-year deal. He will hit unrestricted free agency next year. And he's still not happy. The tone, though, I'm noticing is different this year. As we just started the show, the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell released statements at the same time. Bell on his Twitter account, uh, the Steelers' official uh, a statement on it. Both expressed basically hope and respect that they did try to work it out, that they're going to try to make a long-term deal after 2019. And most importantly, Bell says in his 
is tweet that I'm sorry we let you down, but 2018 will be my best season to date. That does not sound like a guy who could possibly skip half the no. season, which was being threatened by, uh, I think it was Schefter mentioned it as a possibility early. It sounds like he'll do what he did last year, which is show up late in training camp and he'll be out there week one. And he's not going to pass up uh, a weekly check where he's getting paid you know, more than any running back's gotten paid in a year in a long, long time in the NFL. I mean, the messaging from early this morning was that this is probably not going to happen. And then and, and Bell's agent, Adisa Bakari, basically said they wanted to pay the position, not the player. And I, I, ultimately, I think it hurts Bell for multiple reasons. But how is his value going to be higher a season from now, a year later into his career than it is right now? Well, he's still only 26. Like, he's early, maybe a little younger than some people realize. And he also, Wes, he didn't have his best year last year, he could have a better year this year and, and potentially have more leverage going into his age 27 season. Yeah, when he says he's going to have a best year to date, I don't believe that. He's First of all, he's had some great years so far. Right. And second of all, last year we saw that he was rusty. Because of his running style, he takes some time to get into synchronicity with, with his offensive line. And in September last year, that synchronicity wasn't there. So if he skips training camp again... Is he really going to have the best season to date? Right. Maybe he'll come a little earlier. He came September 1st last year, which is really late. He did have 85 catches, 655 yards. The reason his value could be higher, Mark, though, is you'd have 31 teams bidding on you. And so so will well, that would change will things a couple Will a couple teams you well, know, not, decide to Not pay? all 31 are going to be bidding on Probably you. Probably not, but you know what I mean. Uh, other uh, players, notable players with the deadline looming, LaMarcus Joyner of the Rams. He will play under his tag. They don't come to a deal. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys, he will play uh, on a $17.1 million franchise tag. Good work if you can get it. And also Zeke Ansa of the Lions, same deal. They couldn't get a long-term deal done. Uh, how often up against this deadline do we see deals? Rarely. I remember the year Demarius Thomas was a – a free agent, we saw one for him. Let me give you two stats that are hard to reconcile for Le'Veon Bell. He has the most yards per scrimmage in his first five seasons of any running back in NFL history. Mm. Yards per scrimmage per, per game. In the five years he's been in the NFL, over that half decade, the Steelers have averaged more points without him in the lineup than with him in the lineup. Mm. And that's over 16 games. Interesting. I think he he's such a unique talent that if he can just stay healthy and they don't overwork him he his value he will reset I think the running back value and I think yeah but so, so will Zeke and so will Gurley on their second contracts but is that 17 million a year or is it going to be no. less than what the Steelers have been offering him we, we don't really know guaranteed money how the deal was structured what the Steelers have been offering I think in the back of their minds they've always been they've probably been fine playing you know, running along, you know, doing this franchise tag because it's year by year. They're safe. Demarcus Lawrence is the other guy that really stands out to me because he had a career year out of nowhere. And he, if he gets the free agency and has another big year, it's going to be coming after the Jadevian Clowney contract, Khalil Mack, and he is going to be tough for the Cowboys to keep. Moving on, Ben McAdoo no longer uh, with the New York Giants, of course, was fired last December as that team spiraled after a really a, a quality first year when he went 11-5 and five with the team, but things did not work out. The benching of Eli Manning probably was the thing that did him in. And now McAdoo is doing uh, the press tour, um, trying to put it out there, essentially, that he's trying he's trying to change who he is. He He's learned from his experience. Uh, but there was an interview <clears throat> with the New York Post and Paul Schwartz that really uh, jumped out to me. Uh, let's let's start. There's some bullet points in here because Ben, who didn't say anything interesting uh, when he was the Giants coach, had a lot to say that was interesting. Now we'll start with what he thinks about the Giants. I think they're going to win this division. I think Philly, how much success has Philly had? I think they're going to have a hard time handling success. Dallas this is like anybody in a bar, by the way. <laughs> Dallas, I like their offensive line, but how long have we been saying that? Their defense, they got a bunch of young guys playing DB. Sean Lee is banged up a lot, and their D-line, they got a bunch of guys getting in trouble all the time. And Washington <laughs> is Washington, right? I mean, I can't really disagree with anything he said, but... I love that he's just calling out the Redskins. That <laughs> <long>. <laughs> Washington is Washington. Uh, that was just the start, though, Mark. He had a lot to say. I mean, it, the, here's where I start with, with Ben McAdoo, because it's, it, it was a multiple wide-ranging interviews where he dumps on almost all the college quarterbacks. Uh, he does... I think he was... Very positive about the Giants, and this was an image 
makeover uh, deal for him where he talked about he grew up viewing the media as a total enemy and he's learned he's got to do things much differently. But when it comes to all these opinions about the rest of the league and player X and player Y, my question would be after what we saw from Ben McAdoo more recently, why do we care? (laughs) Because <laughs> it's nice to hear an honest opinion. This is how they talk about players, I think, in general. Like, the thing that struck me the most was he said Nate Solder wasn't a very good Don't player. Don't think he's a very good player. Out of nowhere. It was Must just, have watched him in Super Bowl 51. It was but a drive-by also- shooting. Look, Nate Solder has had some pretty bad stretches in his career, and there is probably some debate. He's up and down. He's maybe closer to average than a, a standout. But it was just interesting to hear. But he also a- calls it a great move that they went out and got him, too. I just find that co- I contradictory there. I I was thinking the same thing even when we were talking about it this morning. That I was just reading it again just now. I think what he's saying is that Eric Flowers and the the left tackle situation for the Giants was so bad. And he killed Eric Flowers. That yeah, bringing in an a, average That player. bringing in an average or even a below average guy, whatever he thinks Solder to be, is still a huge upgrade for Eli, which is probably true as well. He doesn't have good things to say, like you said, Mark, about Sam Darnold. He doesn't like his throwing delivery. He thinks Baker Mayfield's a college quarterback. He likes Josh Rosen because <laughs> on Sunday you give me a prick and I'll take him. Okay. He, he called Lamar Jackson his second favorite quarterback. Right. I mean, I, I do find his opinions interesting. It's just that there is a there is. It's not like listening to Bill Belichick espouse his opinion for well, four, four hours. Our, our buddy, uh, or at least three of our buddies, Daniel Jeremiah, moved Ooh. the sticks. Uh, clearly, Dan's you know long term enemy. Well, uh, yeah. He he said something very wise, which he says things he's seen before. Recently hired. Uh, coaches set expectations low. Recently fired coaches set expectations high for their former team. So he might be being uh, upfront about his player evaluations, but it's a Stinky Davis move to say, say that, that your former team is going to win the division. All, right. All of this stuff he learned that he told Peter King about, I learned this, I learned this, I learned that. Why does it take an offseason to learn so much? Why didn't you learn this during the season well, in which you were the coach? How about he's, he's writing a manifesto that's all, already over 200 pages? About what he did wrong. Yeah, it's like... I like ben, that, though. He I, was but, trying but, but, to learn Belichick, from Belichick, did the, Belichick coming out of Cleveland had to go through the right. same self-evaluation process. And I, the only reason why he didn't learn during the season is that's when the bullets are flying and the, well, the I, Giants were in total I mean, chaos. Why didn't you learn after your first couple of seasons? Why did it take this particular offseason to look back and it's, say, hey, I need to change things? He said he, because he, he, especially on the media side, because I think he really hurt himself with the Giants on that front, obviously. He was terrible with the media. Terrible. And he, he regretted he, it. He asked a friend, he said, I asked one of my friends in the game about it, and he said, you're smart, but when you answer questions from the press, you sound like an oaf. Yep. And that you know what? True. When you lose your job and you have to actually self-examine why that happened, I do think you can learn. And a lot of these coaches are much better the second time around because of it. But is Ben McAdoo someone whose stock at this point is so damaged that a head coaching job would only come after he absolutely sizzled as a play caller somewhere I don't else? think it's ever coming again. I don't think his hair ever helped him either. <laughs> From the weird part of season one to the, the slick back Reeser look in season two, I mean, I thought that was a microcosm of his struggles. Uh, moving on, DeMarco Murray. Did you know DeMarco Murray led the league in rushing two seasons ago? True story. And that wasn't even his best season. He two was se- three seasons. Three se- it was 2016, I thought. Four years removed from an 1,800 well, he played, yard season. He played for the Eagles, and then he right. played for the Titans, okay. and he did not lead the league in either All right. one of those. So anyway, that, he had a nice season the first year with the Titans. He was great with the Cowboys for a couple of years then. Uh, there, but he kind of burned out a little bit. Uh, so the 2014 Offensive Player of the Year announced Friday in a live ESPN uh, announcement. I don't know. It was a little weird watching it. I don't know if you saw it. He's retiring at the age of 30. Uh, third round pick by the Cowboys uh, in 2011 out of Oklahoma. He ends his career with over 7,000 rushing yards, 49 touchdowns, went to the Pro Bowl three times. And uh, Wes, you know, just we we're talking about Lev Bell, and you never know. The, the window for these running backs to be truly elite players. Uh, Murray, he went from nearly the best in the business to just another guy very quickly. I think he, as much as any player in recent memory, illustrates, I guess, the um, frustration with evaluating players um, outside of their teammates, supporting cast, coaching staff, health, um, because when he's healthy and running behind the Cowboys offensive line, he's an MVP candidate offensive player of the year. When he's healthy running behind a Titans offensive line that was really good, he's a pro bowler. The next year he plays through a hamstring injury. The offensive line isn't quite as good. 
and he looks like one of the worst running backs in the league. I, I just think it's so challenging to to extract a player from his system and surrounding talent, and DeMarco Murray is the best example. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point, and his career wasn't the same. Everyone said it in the moment when he had 392 carries and 57 catches that year and, and some playoff carries that, like, they're trying to – they're going to ruin the rest of his career. And they basically they were right. Play it out that way. And if you want to draw up the winners and losers column for this uh, life choice that he's made, Mark Sessler, a big loser – uh, had wow. a sandwich bet on Third this. Third person here. Yep. Had a sandwich bet on this. Said that he would land in the NFC East, and he's not landing oh. anywhere. So landing uh, on just the couch. A, just another round of food that I must purchase for you all. I do. I, I would call myself a loser. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> I do yes, like how right. how hard. Uh, Demarco Murray. It's like the hardest thing I. How can you evaluate for college players who's going to run hard every down? I feel like that's a hard trait to yeah. know. And DeMarco Murray ran hard every down in his prime. That was really what set him apart because he didn't have maybe the greatest skill set in the world, but he was kind of an old throwback who punished defenders. They didn't want to tackle him, and he always ran hard. In uh, other news, so happy trails, DeMarco Murray. Patrick Peterson, the all-pro cornerback uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was at, I believe, was he at that golf thing? I think he might have been at the. Yeah, he, it was a golf. He was at a golf thing. Yes, he was at a golf thing, and it <laughs> Don't was. Ask me the name. It was it. the event. Tahoe. It was the celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe, which seems like a really fun thing to go to if you're a famous rich football player. Unless you're Ben Roethlisberger, but well, that's fair. That's uh, an old, old story. That's an old story. <laughs> yeah, but well, maybe you shouldn't laugh then. Uh, serious business. Anyway, uh, he was on uh, Total Access on NFL Network. He told uh, James Jones uh, his feeling on what the Cardinals should do at quarterback. Of course, they have the rookie, Josh Rosen, who's a, a prick, uh, I guess, maybe, according to Ben McAdoo. That's what he'd like him to be. Is that what it, uh, he wants him to be a prick? Or he's hurt he's a prick? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it does, does. You're not a prick, Josh Rosen. I've never met you, but maybe you are. Anyway. Uh, here's what he said. Though you got the rookie there. You have, of course, Sam Bradford in the house. Greg's boy, Mike Lennon's also in the house. Who should start a quarterback? As of right now, I probably would take Sam due to his experience, uh, due to some of the records that he has in the league. Because when Sam is healthy, he's on the field and have talent around him. He's a top-tier quarterback. So there you go. Uh, Mark, you agree with this? Well, I mean, we're at a point now we have literally no information on what Josh Rosen is going to look like or how quickly he's going to develop and if he comes in there and he blows you away I think Rosen's probably the guy that we feel like is one of the guys that could become a pro ready quarterback quicker than the others but I I agree that if you're if you're if you're a Peterson you want to go with the veteran who you know and understand and Bradford when he's been healthy has been good so I they their first five games Lions Colts 49ers Cowboys Eagles do you do you is there a need or a reason that you have to throw Rosen into the fire right away. I just don't see... They prepared the roster in a way where the answer is no, I think, right now. There's a litany of support for Sam Bradford coming out of Arizona. Patrick Peterson. David Johnson has said that the Cardinals will have the best offense in the league if Sam Bradford stays healthy. Christian Kirk, the rookie wide receiver, said based on what the coaches have said throughout the offseason, Sam Bradford's going to be the starter. Steve Wilkes told Adam Schefter a few months ago that they brought in Sam Bradford specifically to direct the offense because, quote, he's one of the best in the business right now. To me, everything coming out of of Arizona says this is Bradford's job, not Rosen. He's he's starting week one if he's healthy because he's just going to know more and know how to play quarterback at the NFL level more than Josh Rosen. But him being healthy is is not a – a given? Data complete. Certainly. I mean, mm, Peterson's nice. other point in this interview <laughs> was, because I think we've been down on the Cardinals. When in doubt, go French. Yeah. We, we've been down on the Cardinals uh, all offseason. They could for, surprise. I think they've the had a pretty good offseason. He talked about how, uh, how un, like their lack of health over as a team over the last couple seasons. Think about what them. we thought of this team in December compared to where they are now. Like, it could have been a full-blown tear it down, rebuild it. 2018 is going to be a year that nobody's going to even want to watch the Cardinals. Mm. And now, like, would it surprise you if they go 9-7, and 10-6? and six? Wouldn't surprise me. No. What was that again, Greg? You're going 9-7, and 10-6. and six. Fait accompli, you're asking about? It's pretty good because I was in the middle of, like, handing Greg a piece of paper. Yeah, the pregnant pause in the podcast was because I was reading something Dan just handed me. I think it could have been that, uh, but it also could have been, like, I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly. Sometimes that pregnant pauses are a result of that. You're right. Sometimes they are. 
Anyway, I liked it. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Roquan Smith. <laughs> Greg, help me out with the pron- pronunciation of the name during that pregnant pause. See, we take it behind the scenes. It's not just right. about let's just like roll through the news. Let's knock out another pod like our 700th <laughs> podcast. No, that is how the sausage gets made. How else would one pronounce Roquan Smith? Raquan. But it's, no, it's well, an That's o. how you would pronounce it. <laughs> it's our Most o. people would not go down I a. thought I had heard at some point Raquan. Oh. And I'm not a, I'm not, I don't follow Isn't the Isn't that the game. Dolphins linebacker who got hurt last year, Raekwon there McMillan? Is, there is a oh. Raekwon McMillon. Who All right, back. I see why you can confuse There's him. also the guy from uh, the Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang. Yes. Yeah. That guy, he was in my head. That was Raekwon, right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> you built a steady uh, <laughs> a mounting hill a of evidence here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what is it again? Roquan Smith, of course, the first round pick. People are very high in this. Lo- love, uh, love, linebacker. love Raekwon on the cover of uh, Bulletproof Wallets, a Ghostface Killer album. Just one of the all-time <laughs> album covers. People check it out. <laughs> is this the Greg likes just, rap interlude I'm, I'm of today's show? Yeah. I forgot. I break it out of an episode out that. Raekwon's not coming up again. Maybe ever. I enjoy the Greg likes rap interludes. I, I miss them, and I'm, I'm happy they're back. Um, anyway, Roquan Smith. Uh, rap sheet reports the first round linebacker is not with the team as rookies report. Smith currently hasn't signed his rookie contract, staying away until a deal gets done. Uh, the Bears are playing in that Hall of Fame game, uh, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, so the uh, rookies reported to training camp today. Veterans not until Thursday. You know, I uh, I'm surprised this is still a thing that's happening. I don't think Darnold's deal got done yet either. I thought we were out of this, but every once in a while something pops up. It's July 16th. I think that we should like check back in a couple of weeks and then show concern at that. Yeah, point. come come back to us with rookies reporting a week earlier. Like the the Ravens rookies reported last week because that was the earliest possible day. I, I'm not into the rookies reporting early. No, that Just was give everyone give everyone more time off. It's like a false alarm where we start. Wait, should we start covering this on Inside Training Camp? The rookies are reporting. No, unnecessary at best. Let the let the record state. I am extremely <laughs> nervous about this situation, and I am tracking it very closely. Uh, let's talk about another. Uh, second round pick bust by the Jets, but this one's not named Christian Hackenberg. This is Devin Smith, the wide receiver who was taken in round two of the 2015 draft. Uh, ESPN reported on Monday that he's been cut loose. Uh, This uh, Devin Smith was supposed to be a guy that was supposed to take the top off defenses, uh, but he kept on ripping up his knee, could not stay on the field, ended up with only 10 catches for 135 yards and one touchdown in three seasons. So, and if you're, tra- if you're tracking at home, by the way, because the jets uh, have done very poor work, taking sec- making uh, hay out of second round picks, David Harrison round two of 2007, very nice pick, had a really nice career. Uh, but since then, Vlad Dukas, Stephen Hill, Gino Smith, Jason Morrow, Devin Smith, who was just cut and hack. So, not a great track record. And when you're building a roster, as we know, it's not just about the first round pick. You got to hit on those early draft picks. And the Jets, oh, by the way, haven't been to the playoffs in about six or seven years. Devin Smith, for me, will always be a reminder of why fan is short for fanatic. A particularly zealous Jets fan in Devin Smith's rookie year berated me on Twitter. For not acknowledging that he is West remembers that he is just as talented as Odell Beckham, mm. one of the most talented players take. ever to set foot on a football field. Devin Smith is just as talented as him, and I'm wrong for not admitting it or acknowledging it. So that person got the look. This is why blocks are necessary. I think you got the last word on yeah, that. You lost, that buddy. Yeah. If you need, if you want to have discourse. On your Twitter account, you have to exclude all the people who just can't, don't have an eye at all for football. Mm. Just get them out of it. The people who say Andrew Luck is overrated, block them. In in fairness to this guy, I went back to look at the Roto World post when he got drafted. Sometimes I like to do that just to see what the feel feel was at the time. Mike Mayock, as this draft went on, said Devin Smith tracks the deep ball as well as any college Mm. wideout I've seen in years. Some bad luck here with Well, he entered entered the – the, the league as a guy who would be a deep deep ball specialist, not Odell Beckham. I just right. want to get that. Straight. Yeah, that's okay. Right, but, but we have no idea about, what kind of a football yeah, we're talking player he is, things. though. Also, in you know, just in general, that's one person like in the entire world that thinks that. 
Oh, there were a lot of Jets fans that thought he was like not not Odell, Odell, not Odell, but they thought he was going to be a great wide receiver. This is not on Mike McCagney because it's an injury situation. But Dan, I I, I get that you are massively in love with Sam Darnold, and oh, yeah. he he fell to them and and they took him, and that could be great. But are you concerned at all about McCagney's track record drafting players? Of course, yeah. I, he didn't take. I don't. Did McCagney take Devin Smith? I don't know if he did. He wasn't there yet. Was that the glacier, the iceberg? I think that might have been the glacier. The glacier. Yeah, I'm gonna track. Yeah. It would have been. In but uh, McGag- are you concerned about the glacier's ability to pick players? Then I'm gonna. <laughs> I did. Start, I really did. Question. I did not like the glacier, but uh, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, Mark. McCagney's in a hot seat year. Yeah, yeah, they need to. Good rookie quarterback can buy you many more years. We'll see. All right, we've reached peak off season. We finally made it here. There's always one story every year that runs on our website that. There you go. That you see it, you see the headline, and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, peak. It always happens right around this time, too. You ready? Headline. And God bless Kevin Patra, who wrote the, wrote this up, because, hell, what else are you going to do right now? He's the- On his first day back, I believe, from his honey, a honeymoon and beautiful <laughs> trip around the world. Congratulations to Kevin Patra. Well, he's been oh, here for yes. a week, but. Okay. Yeah, I bet. But, I mean. By the way. This is the end of the honeymoon, this article. Before we dip into that, yeah. that is a Mike McCagnon draft pick. It was. The pressure is mounting. <laughs> it is. He's in trouble. All right, here we go. You ready? Thank you for the correction, Mark. Todd Gurley, colon. LeBron, referring to the basketball star, LeBron James, coming to L.A., referring to LeBron signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> is, quote, motivation for Rams. Oh, my God. Hit hit the alert. We've reached peak offseason. Todd Gurley, how is this motivation? Wes, you're probably curious, aren't you? <laughs> how, how the hell is this motivation for the Browns? i got a few thoughts Rams? on this story. Okay. Uh, here's what Gurley told the L.A. Times while at a youth football camp at Santa Monica College. You know greatness is coming, and you want to be part of that. It's like motivation. It kind of makes you want to work harder and get to that point to where he is. So what Todd Gurley's saying, Chris Wessling, is that the Rams, despite making the playoffs and having a fine season last year, despite everything that's built up around them uh, and, and everyone's saying this could be a Super Bowl year, no, no, no. The real motivation <laughs> and part of the motivation to be successful this year I can't even hang with you is that LeBron James is now playing basketball in the same city. Here's my take on this. Todd Gurley's comments are irrelevant. The story is irrelevant. The only reason this gets written is so you can run the headline. The story is totally yeah. irrelevant. You Thank just God. want to run the headline that has LeBron, L.A., and Rams, and motivation yeah. in the title. And it probably people probably read it. Well, of course they read it. I mean, it certainly worked in Cleveland. LeBron brings a title to uh, that city, and the Browns systematically go 1-31. <laughs> I mean, what is the if that's where your motivation's coming from, you better find a better... In fa- source of it. In fairness, I, we're not impugning Todd Gurley at all here. No, he is it, donating his time to kids and was clearly asked a question about the LeBron, question's the and issue, and then he has to then he has to answer it. What's right, he, what's it's the gotta, question. Also, not impugning Kevin Patra, who is no. an MVP and works his butt off, and him writing stories like this allows us to not have to write them. or. Not imputing Santa Monica College. Great. I mean, everyone in this AIS. is everyone great in this community is great. pool there. I was there a couple times. Everyone's AIS. great. Everyone's great to in learn this how to situation. Swim. May I ask who is being impugned? Nobody. Everyone's great. Um, I, I would like to see metrics in this building that would allow <laughs> us to say whenever we encounter an article, no, that's too much headline versus yeah. story. Well, I'll, I'd I'll, like to see more I'll story than headline. The, the editors. The editors making there the choice go. to run this story. So ultimately, David Ely. And then the I think Ely was on Ouch. vacation. Well, okay, he's in charge of the, the aggregation machine. A bit impugned here as well. Yes, absolutely. There, we I, I think aggregation came along 10, 15 years ago in this industry. As far as Twitter and RSS, all that should be out the window now. Let's go to a new form of news writing. Wow. I'd say this, David Ely, who is my supervisor, he does was on vacation. A clean and excellent job every single day. Uh, from the minute he checks in to the minute he goes home. Update on the best man yes. race. Uh, look, Uh-oh. we're going to keep doing this, but he really put himself behind the eight ball for 
Not the first time in his adult life wearing a romper. Oh, no. Mm. And putting it on social media. My best man is not going to be a romper-clad man. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave. <laughs> the mistakes he makes just drive me nuts. All right, maybe we'll have to touch base with Dave a little later. I, I walked by his desk today just to say hi. It's been, been a few weeks. And at the time, he was shopping for couches. And I just thought this is like the perfectly on Well, he, he came in today openly there. saying that this was a, a shift back into work mode day and he was going to accomplish very little and that tomorrow he'd start digging Remember, in with real assignments. that work above Dave as well before we let out some of this information. <laughs> I mean, I, I often they do the same thing. Show. So I find I thought it was a fair strategy. They oh, work right. above us too. They don't listen. We're covered. We're covered. Uh, also in the news, Aaron Rodgers added to the club of Famous quarterbacks who would like to play to 40. But Rodgers a little different in terms of whether this is uh, something worth talking about because he expands on it a little bit in an interesting way. This uh, to Peter King in the King's debut column for Football Morning in America. Okay. With editor Dom Bonasavutio. Formerly of our newsroom. Yeah. Wait. And formerly of MMQB. It's like Pete. Peter's guy travels yeah. with him everywhere, yeah. brings him along. Bon Vesuto, I believe. Is the you nailed that, that pronunciation, pronunciation again. Here's what Rodgers had to say. I'd love to play to 40. I just think that number means a lot. Obviously, Tom is kind of rewriting the book. Brett had a good season when he turned 40. My goal is to be able to move like I do or close to how I do and still be able to do that at 40 just because nobody's ever been able to do that and still move around the same. Steve Young's career was cut short in his late 30s. John Elway, the same. He didn't really move the same as when he was younger. So to be able to move the same way at 38, 39, 40 would be cool. That's my aim. My question, uh, Greg, would be uh, not many. The reason why you don't see that, and these guys train and they take care of themselves better than ever. The reason you don't see that is when these guys get into their late 30s, their bodies get creaky. It just the clock runs and they get beat up and they get injured. Uh, I wonder if he's not moving as well, if he'll change his mindset and be like, well, as long as I can still sling it and read defenses, because what he's saying right now, we'll see if his body cooperates with that. The the hope would be like Tom, like Tom Brady, that he is moving as well or better, you know, at that age. It's a it's a new era. I mean, Tom Brady is moving better now than he than he was. That was never his game. But just the way he can slide and move his body in the pocket. It, it has been better at 39, 40 than it was. But Rodgers is a different type of move. It, it is, but I guess yeah. I'm saying maybe the, the, the technology and the all the work that goes into it and the health, uh, maybe Rodgers can take all those lessons and keep his game. He hasn't gone unscathed, though. He's suffered you know, a, a series of injuries in his career. And it's, I, he is right about Favre. That in 2009 season, age 40 for Brett Favre, I, I understand that the mid-90s action was peak Brett Favre, but like, I honestly think that 2009 season was one of the most fan, like amazing quarterback seasons I'd ever watched. But then a calendar year later, he was an ultra disaster. Yeah. Also, Favre, I feel like people of our generation, Mark, we know that he was... Not you two, us. Old-timer. Well, I, there is a divide on Brett Favre's career where people about Dan and Greg's generation feel like he's overrated. We're in a different generation now. I love it. All right. People oh. your age feel like he's overrated. They talked about him too much during games. They praised him too much. He was a pocket quarterback. No, he was an improvisational wizard and one of the best mobile quarterbacks in history. I mean, we were in high school when he won the three straight MVPs. That was that was really what you're talking about, which has never been done before. Right. Maybe it'll never be done. I again. quite liked Brett Favre's game. <laughs> I feel like I never heard complaints about him until people your age started complaining. <laughs> we, like we, we hear too. too much about you're this right. guy. People got sick you of too. the coverage. Uh, yes. with well, Brett Favre. I know what you're saying. He was talked about in reverential tones because he was that damn good. But but Mark is right. That season he came back when he destroyed the Packers two straight times. Uh, one of which I believe was on Monday Night Football. It felt like a holiday, and like I've never, I don't, I didn't have that much invested in him, but it was just like awesome to see. It him was. Destroyed him. Uh, and finally, in the news, uh, this comes from Joe Theismann, a <laughs> former uh, quarterback for the Redskins. I believe he's a Hall of Famer. No, he's in the, Ken? No, he's oh. in the Hall of Fame of awful announcing. No. Okay, well, he's he a very well-known Super Bowl-winning quarterback. And uh, Joe had this tweet uh, over the weekend. Can you get a little music to accompany this, Lindsay? Pitbull is a concert you can't miss. So, uh, Mark, uh, Joe Theismann, former Redskins quarterback, uh, defines Pitbull as a must-see live experience. Uh, As someone who, on occasion, will tweet something out when the bloodstream may have 
some alcohol in it and other things. I feel like this might have been that kind of a tweet from Joe Theismann. Not, <laughs> not accusing him of that, just seems like... Did we it, check the timestamp? It, it also just uses you, the letter, instead of Y-O-U. It's a bit of a messy tweet all around. I'm familiar with Pitbull only because before cancer, several people had tweeted me saying I look like this character. No, you do not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I asked Keisha to play a few songs for me so I would know what to say, and all I can say is his music sounds like the background to an awful Boz Lerman movie. Well, let's listen to what Pitbull kind of sounds like. Turn it up. That's kind of what he sounds like. Is it one of the cowboys taking that song Romeo? Well, no, that's not actually. <laughs> Who wrote these lyrics? This, this, this is one of the cases where the house music basically the same. It's it is similar. Uh, Lindsay alerted me today, which I was kind of fascinated by. That actually in our in our music library that we could use. Although the fact that we're talking about pit, Pitbull, fair use covers, we could play a little Pitbull. But the, the powers that be in this building have foolishly decided that we cannot do anything like that. So we have to do this music. But when you do a search... Fair use it, is a defense. It's not a policy. Uh, I don't want to hear it. The, the, that's, <laughs> that's not from Lindsay. That's As from upstairs. Deep. Deep. Um, but if you search in our system, you could search an artist to hear fake artist music from that artist. It kind of makes my head spin a little bit. Wait, they've authored... They have the fake Pitbull. So if you do a search for Pitbull, yeah. it will bring up what, Lindsay? Yeah, it'll, and it'll stuff be, uh, like it. Pitbull it's... like music. Okay, and it's just interesting to me. And one other note: uh, like if your if your broadcast, if your podcast is completely clamped down by corporate rules, here's an out for you. Right, right. Pitbull had a great run, though. I think there was about a four year run where he actually closed out every awards show. Oh, it's yeah. just like, all right, and to take us out, Pitbull, it's and it's true. like the, the credits <laughs> start rolling. The credits start rolling, and he comes on, and people just start. Two leaving. things: Pitbull's never said no to anything. And that that could be make you successful and busy. Two, I actually can say that I saw Pitbull this year at a Super Bowl party. And uh, while I won't go as far as uh, Joe Theismann that he's a like a must see experience for a live music fan, yeah, he puts on a nice show. He had, a, he had a, think a, several worse. songs that I was like, oh, that's a big hit. You're like, if you had to choose. Between him and Sting and Shaggy playing together before mm. the Super Bowl, you might have to go Pitbull. I gotta go Pitbull. <laughs> guy, that guy's party music. The Sting Shaggy. Sting Shaggy. It that was rough. that was a bit of a struggle. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Uh, all right, before we move on, uh, a word from our sponsor. Solo New York is one of the biggest bag brands in the country. So you know this already, but they started in 2008 with a commitment to shake up the boring industry and make cool, thoughtfully designed bags to keep everything moving forward, around, sideways, in style. Uh. Solo's New York de- New York designs are all uniquely inspired by the streets of New York. Sounds like a uh, Mark Kriegel feature. Mm. The streets of New York. He's a good ball player. There's a bag for everyone from backpacks, duffels, tablet cases, briefcases, totes, and more. Uh, Wes, you and I both have uh, solo bags. We enjoy them because not only are they um, th- they're functional, you can put stuff in them, but they're changing the way you look at a bag experience. We didn't come to fisticuffs or anything, but you and I both wanted the same bag. Yes. I believe you're referring to the Varsity Elite backpack. Absolutely. <laughs> Gifted. I mean, I don't understand why Greg and I should be compelled to say anything nice until we're given the sure. same so products that you fair. two were. I didn't even ne- I missed all this. No, they gate they, they someone upstairs. It's not Solo's fault. Nice company, good stuff. Came over and gave Dan and Wes a bag, mm-hmm. and and you and I were not considered as as receivers of that product. As I said the last time we did this read. <laughs> This is a situation that you should read into. Well, we're a week later and nothing's been done. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Head to solo-ny.com slash around to shop from hundreds of designs and get 25% off your order again. That's solo-ny.com slash around for 25% off. All right, back to the show. <laughs> Barry Sanders turned 50. How about that? How about the passage of time? Speaking of uh, MVPs in the 90s, he split one of those awards with Brett Favre. He sure did. MVP. Uh, Barry Sanders, one of the great running backs ever. And uh, I also saw him at a flag football uh, event uh, before Super Bowl 46 back in 2011. 
uh, where he lost touches to Maria Menounos. Makes sense from a coaching standpoint. Just throwing out there. Was that, that McAdoo? Coach? Life comes out too fast. <laughs> McAdoo may be involved. I, can't. I think Snoop might have been the coach. That Snoop, checks out. That, that makes some sense. Snoop put on an athletic display in Indianapolis that day, my friends. But that's beside the point. We're going to talk about running backs in 2018. Uh, and, uh, Greg, great timing because you, you hit the ground running with a piece up on NFL.com ranking the top 32. So let's kind of go through – Greg's list, and then uh, talk about maybe some guys that aren't on the list, or maybe Greg should have put them higher, lower. I don't know. But I want to start with number one, Greg. Why don't we just start right there? Because uh, I guess I was a little bit surprised. Ezekiel Elliott, your number one running back. What is your thinking behind that? I, it was a last-minute switch. Ooh. But the, the ranking was supposed to be who I'd want this season. And so mm. between Zeke Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, and David Johnson. I don't think there's a ton of room between those those four. I think Bell, for what he's done, had the respect. He was sort of in my top two. But I think Zeke has just shown he's maybe the best natural runner there is in football already. And he's only 22 years old. And you don't get the sense that he's really hit his top gear. And between that and the offensive line helps. But this is supposed to really just be the running back. I, I think he is ready to go up another level and his power I guess is what kind of put him over the top over Bell because he can still catch it they're all great on all downs but his power and his just natural running ability is unique so he's my number one I like this call um he is the best pure runner in the league I I totally agree with that and Le'Veon Bell would have been the safe pick but I, I think it's a little inspired to put Zeke in there I like it I also think when you do these lists and invariably, they're going to retweet that they're going to put this out in multiple ways. And they don't they won't include this line. These are the players I'd most want on my roster for this season. Right. That that's the key to why, why I think that also even what we talked about with Bell, when he hits the, the ground in September or something, Ezekiel Elliott is a massive after what was a troubling season for him last year. We're going to get the best version of him. Exactly. I think also he's coming. He's going to be fresh. But I also think he's coming into a, a season where w- we are going to get his best. We're going to get his, his most motivated Ezekiel Elliott. He showed up to camp out of shape the last couple of years. or not in great shape. I mean, are we sure he's going to show up this year? And still yeah. led the league in rushing yards per game. Right. And he still played great. I'm just, I just think between him getting a little more mature and the heat that was on him last year that he's going to be even better. And even if he's not, he should still be at the very, the top of this list. I mean, that's how I mean, if he stays healthy, there's almost no way he doesn't finish with over like 1600 yards. Yeah. Total. Offense. Yes. He's that type of star. Um, I'm just curious. Did you do this exercise last year? No. This is who, who would you have had going into last year as number one? Bell. Bell. So he's still yeah. at number two. The guy that I know probably moved up because uh, he had a tremendous season last year. Todd Gurley. Uh, is he a guy you were tempted to even put a little higher than three? No, just because of the other the other two. I, if we had done this a year ago, I would have been so stupid because I, I was talking about on this podcast, like, I'm not sure if I – who do we like better, Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley? You know, I mean, that Todd Gurley – that's is, the Jeff Fisher effect. is another great example of what Chris said of of trying to separate player from the team around him, and it was diffi- exactly. it was difficult two years ago. And I think he bore some of the blame of of his 2016 season, but you saw last year what what he can do. Players can fall into bad habits when they're surrounded by poor talent and poor coaching. But David Johnson, to me, at number four, this is this is kind of why if you had tiers. I think it would be fair to say David Johnson is closer to number one than number five. Yeah, when I went to West, I went to West for some feedback, and he 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 didn't like seeing his boy David Johnson at number Wait, four. Whoa, when he first said. whoa! I am a scientist. You were on vacation. <laughs> on in fairness, it was the like literally okay. the last day before my cool. vacation we're that cool. I wrote their last one, couple days. One thing you did miss while you were on vacation was that. Uh, Wes had a little slip of the tongue and uh, insinuated or outright stated that it was your call, Greg, to keep Mark out of the lab. Yeah, which is troubling. And I maybe, clarified that I was purely joking. Right, but not the way you're Well, but I'm not, I'm not in the lab, so something's happening. Yeah, so now, Greg, I, I think it's only fair that the floor is yours to respond to that allegation. Wes says, says it was a joke, but Wes's face after he made the comment <laughs> was one of those faces where you said something that you knew you shouldn't have said, and then you have to quickly quickly spin yeah. that's how i read that I, I think you read that correctly on this show so greg you could clarify the situation well Hopefully. as as a as a scientist 
and as all great scientists yes. know, what we're really after, and I believe it was best said by the doctor in the movie Concussion, we want the truth. <laughs> we just we're, we're looking for the truth. That I want awesome. Sessler down. <laughs> no, no, no. I want Sessler down there. We're just trying to look for the right answers. We're searching for knowledge, and Mark can help us. Did you just like name drop? Uh, concussion, and then do was that Will Smith's accent in concussion? I don't know. It's been a while, or no, it's been forever. So I'm in. You now you can't hold that over. Wait, over. he's in the lab. Yeah, you can come down. See, it's, now it's that, all about now what it's you no longer your no, thing it, alone to no, like kind of hang over my. I'm head. not gonna. We're not gonna be exclusionary. I notice Wes isn't it. cheering loudly about this decision. Oh no, I I encourage you to come. And, and being a scientist is all about peer review. You can put out your sure. work, and then we review it for you. I think I think it's everyone. What you, it's what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Let me say, certain people in this room maybe are a little rusty about how to really have a bit play out beautifully, because right now there's nothing else to play out. Now everybody's in. Well, What's left? Here's no, because I actually I don't I, really feel that invited, and it's like so. <laughs> in that case, you don't just go because you're kind of oh, I forgot to invite you, but please come over. Please come it, to oh, the party. Those deals. Yeah, it was the. It's maybe the you know the the start of the end of that bit, but the the beginning of, of a new my one. Will Smith concussion. <laughs> oh, it's well too fact. Everything, yeah, everything very dense ends, territory, and there's always something new. And we want was... the truth. <laughs> <laughs> what was was that? What it was? Was that I the think, exact line? I'm trying to remember what because it was every commercial uh, leading into that. But it wasn't. You can't handle the truth because that would have been a few good men. That would have been a weird accent for a few good minutes. Tweet it, Dan, with the actual line, please. It was tell the truth. Tell the truth! That was it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, you have Alan Kamara at number five. Who's going uh, to deny you there? You have Shady McCoy at six. And obviously, given his current um, issues, and we, again, don't know if he actually has legal issue, issues on the way, but there's a lot of speculation around him right now. This could take him out of the mix entirely. But it's a good reminder how good Shady McCoy is and how – LaShawn McCoy's presence on the field separates the Bills from being okay to being terrible. Yeah, this was written before all of the off-field stuff happened, but I was just thinking about McCoy reminded of, like, remember early in his career, he was like a third down back that people thought couldn't handle more. And right. now he's turned out to be the total opposite, which is basically the most durable running back of his generation in, t in terms of staying healthy, getting the touches year after year. Right, one thing on Alvin Kamara, I like this line. Kamara has a flow so sick it makes you want to throw your food up. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Greg wrote this like four weeks ago. <laughs> I Well, I did I did something in... I, I read did, this piece from end to end, by did. the way. I did something in that ranking just to amuse myself. I wrote, you know, since you bring it up, uh, his whole blurb with a variety of different uh, Little Wayne. Uh, okay. Little mm. Wayne. That was that was lines. gonna be my guess. And I would that would not have caught gotten my radar. So In interesting. <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta just you gotta just keep keep yourself fresh. I think I, the word no ceiling popped up naturally, and then I just just went with it. This is the start of your veering away from sports writing into a new genre that combines sports writing with art. <laughs> What is the um I figure no one's really gonna <laughs> notice, maybe like three people. I'm curious what's the end game there? What would deem that a success? Like how many tweet mentions? Oh six. It's, to it's just to um, it was a I it's already been deemed a success. I enjoyed it while I wrote it. That <laughs> okay. Was that's really all I was searching hey, for. Sometimes you have to good. keep yourself entertained while you're writing. Uh the that's rest good. of the top ten, uh Devonta Freeman at seven, Cream Hunt at eight, Leonard Fournette at nine, marketing him at ten. If you're curious the bottom of the list, because I like and then uh, we could jump in with any other thoughts. Uh, these are the the bottom the bottom five according to Greg Rosenthal. Uh, and to be clear, these were just the top thirty two running backs in the league, so it wasn't necessarily one from every team. There you go, Marshawn Lynch at twenty seven. So uh, Greg not buying uh, Lynch continuing to thrive and deeper into his thirties. Isaiah Crowell of the Jets twenty eight, Theo Riddick of the Lions twenty nine, Chris Thompson of the Redskins thirty, Aaron Jones of the Packers thirty one. And James White, the guy that had like 37 catches in the Super Bowl a year and a half ago, uh, 32. Why? Why at the bottom of the list? Is that just a little joke? I, no. He doesn't even run. Little joke. No. What do you mean little joke? <laughs> I don't know. He's a great like uh, compliment player. For me. Yeah, I thought it was giving him some love to put him on the list at all. I mean, he is a guy that only had 43 carries last year, so he's a little more one-dimensional. Like yeah. pretty much the top 20 
guys on this list were guys that can play all three downs, and he's not necessarily okay, gotcha. a guy you're trusting for that. I got gotcha. you. Can we jump around a little? Jump, please. I, uh, one guy that that I loved last offseason and the idea of him, and I think there were moments in games where you saw everything everyone had talked about was Joe Mixon. But but ultimately, like I was pretty underwhelmed by his rookie season. Not his athleticism, but really just maybe, it's, maybe again, that's part of being in that offense, what was going on with that offense last year that was missing parts and had a terrible offensive line. They played a lot of good run defenses. But, I mean, is that someone at number 11 that I feel like he could, he could really go higher up? Or, I mean, after this season, he could take a big jump or he could tumble. I know Wes loves Nixon. Yeah, you mentioned during the DeMarco Murray discussion about how hard he runs and his effort level. I think Joe Mixon is a lot like that. And he's I don't think you can evaluate him behind that offensive right. line last year. I, he, I mean, 11 to me, there was a kind of a clear line of demarcation. Mark Ingram was 10, Fournette was 9, and that was kind of the, the top backs. And yeah. there was a pretty decent drop, and it was who I'd want to have, and I think Mixon is going to be much better. And I think if you watch the last couple games, really the last month, but especially the last two games, early in the year, he, he was trying to make every play a big run. But later in the year, he was kind of being a little more – uh, trusting his blocks, taking two to three yards. His numbers were pretty good at the end of the year, and he looked really good in that in that Week 17 game again. And you don't have to pull him off the field on third down. He's a great pass catcher too. One guy that jumps out to me, and you have him, I think, in a good spot, kind of right in the middle of the list, Christian McCaffrey, who had a kind of an interesting rookie year, kind of a hard to discern uh, what direction he's going. Of course, he was drafted to be a superstar. He was, I think, eighth overall pick in 2016. And he was obviously very good out of the backfield, but as a runner, left a lot to be desired. I'm wondering if kind of what we saw in year one is basically who the guy is or if there's room to grow. Don't know. I can tell you that I would definitely take him above the guy who's number 14 on the list, Kenyon Drake. And Drake was the one to me that I would move down about five spots of anybody on this list. I would definitely. I think it's disrespectful to Jordan Howard to put him below Kenyon Drake. I took Drake. a lot of your advice in terms of – Tevin Coleman, there's no question I'd rather have him than Kenyon Drake for this year. Um, Deion Lewis, I'd rather have than Kenyon Drake and Christian McCaffrey. So I went back and watched Kenyon Drake's like last month of the season, mm-hmm. and he's elusive. He has a suddenness. I, I would not call him explosive in any way. Um and I think he works best out of shotgun spread. I'm just not – I've seen too many Jerome Harrisons and Sam Congatos and Mike Bells and, and Jonas Grays have great – Bryce Brown, all these guys who have great oh Decembers. Jonas, Jonas Gray. Jonas Gray didn't lead the league in rushing for five straight weeks. I mean, Kenyon Drakes was the lead, the leader in the NFL in rushing. Jerome for Harrison, 39. Sam Congato, Bryce did Brown. Any of that. Yes, they, so. Bryce Brown had two games better than anything Kenyon Drake ever did. And Jerome Harrison had rushed for 290 yards in a game, I think, or something like that for the Browns. Welcome to the lab. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, these late-season flurries, you haven't proven that you can handle a workload It's a yet. small sample size, but you're right. I'm, uh, I'm putting my I'm putting my neck out that I think he's going to make the leap. Like, Wait. if we did it, individual players making the leap, Kenyon Drake would have been one of my top two or three players. You drop I just five spots watching. like you want. You put him in, That puts him at 19 where Jay Ajayi is the player they got rid of right. in favor of Kenyon Drake. That's fine. My other quibble would be Isaiah Crowell does not need to be on this list, but CJ and Ander- CJ Anderson does, and Adrian Peterson does. Sometimes, sometimes NFL personnel guys get it wrong, and Adrian Peterson is an example. He can still play. Well, CJ Anderson might get a chance to to play quite a bit. Where would you put Peterson, Anders? Wes? Yeah, did you consider like? I didn't even think about. I it. would put Peterson right around twenty one before you get into the passing down specialists. There you go. Uh, Mark, uh, Greg, excuse me, uh, NFL.com slash Rosenthal. Do you have a vanity URL? No. Oof. Where's the respect? <laughs> Every piece should have a vanity URL when Greg's name's attached to it. I don't know what the vanity URL really does for Nothing. you, but it, we talk about <laughs> it a lot. <laughs> um, remember, everyone, uh, that we are trying to um, beat the system. Hashtag. Let's get crooked. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast uh, nominated uh, for the podcast awards, the listener podcast awards, which I guess is a thing. I don't know. We don't even know what it is. It doesn't. I've been to the site. It is a win. real thing. And we're, yes, we better true. be doing well. Uh, so just head to podcastawards.com 
and nominate around the NFL in the, quote, sports category. Uh, we'd appreciate it. We got a lot of feedback from people that have done that. So let's stuff the ballot. Let's get crooked, and uh, we'll fly. And keep in mind, everyone, Greg's piece up, okay? Mark, it's coming up later this week. Five reasons why the Patriots will make the playoffs. Let's dig into that. <laughs> in 2018, so keep your... By the way, tomorrow, five reasons the Bills will make the playoffs, and... I hate you talk about having to get creative. It's going to be your best work of fiction. Had to get a little yet. bit of creative on that one. <laughs> Ray Bradbury over there. Uh, all right. We'll be back on Thursday with our second show of the week. So make sure to check it out. It'll also, of course, be a video show presented by New Era. Uh, so that's fun. Oh, Theisman. Can you picture like Theisman with like uh, glow sticks completely out of yes. his mind, just sweating profusely at the, in the front row? Anyway, so we'll be back Thursday. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Till Thursday, take it away, fake football. Hang on to your saddle when you buck me on the wall, and then you shake it like a rattler. You a wild, wild girl like a tail by the way you dress. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.